0: May you know God's blessing as you join with us for this podcast from Sirius, Kemback and Springfield Church in the Presbytery of St Andrews in Fife. A Celtic prayer to begin with. I weave a silence onto my lips. I weave a silence into my mind. I weave a silence within my heart. I close my ears to distractions. I close my eyes to temptations. I close my heart to attractions. Calm me, O Lord, as you still the storm. Still me, O Lord, keep me from harm. Let all the tumult within me cease. Enfold me, O Lord, in your peace. And we have a short moment of silence. Our first hymn is Be Thou My Vision. If you're following the words in your hymn book, it's 465. It's sung by the choir of St Mary's Episcopal Cathedral in Edinburgh. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Those who follow me will not stumble in the darkness, but they will walk in the light of life. Lord, living Lord, as we gather, as we gather around your light, drawn by the candle, the the living candle, which is Christ, as we gather at this time, we gather in a time of anxiety, fear, foreboding, Many of us are anxious because we haven't seen loved ones for a while. Anxious because of someone who's in hospital and we can't visit. Sad because we have lost someone and couldn't have a proper send-off, as we say. We are anxious about our employment, about the future, perhaps about a family business. Anxious about school, our exams, or what's going to happen. We bring our anxiety to you. And you stand in our midst and you say, don't be afraid, I am with you. We are reminded in the Gospel of John that you are in Christ, the light that will never be snuffed out. Even if life is dark and difficult, you are there going ahead of us, showing us the way. At this time when we are so aware of our own limited resources, Some of us perhaps might even say we're a bit at the end of our tether. You remind us that that place is where we find you. And when we peer into that darkness, we discover it's not really dark at all, but you are shining there. So be with us and forgive us for forgetting that you're there. Forgive us for focusing on the things that frighten us instead of the light that goes ahead of us. Forgive us for ways in which we fail ourselves, you and one another. And may we all hear the word that sets us free. It says to us, be at peace and know yourself forgiven, set free to love and to serve. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We hear the word of God first from the the first letter of Peter, reading from chapter 2 from verse 4 down to verse 10. And this is what Peter says, giving us the wonderful model of the church as a temple, not of bricks and mortar, but of living stones. As you come to him, the living stone, Christ, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, Amen. And from the the Gospel of John, John gives us another lovely metaphor that is of Christ, Jesus Christ, as the living word, the word made flesh, the word that God spoke into our world. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has never overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, but he came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, full of grace and truth. Amen. A wee reflection. Time passes, doesn't it just? Next month it'll be 25 years since I began as a parish minister in the Scottish borders in the parish of Ashkirk and Selkirk. In my first few weeks in the borders, I well remember, it was glorious weather. The sun was splitting the sky every day. And so as well as getting to know congregation and parishioners, I enjoyed exploring the beautiful countryside of the area. It was good being close to Northumberland and to the holy island of Lindisfarne. Only an hour's drive away. It soon became a favourite haunt for days off. I well remember the sense of anticipation as I set off from the Manson Selkirk, crossed over to St Boswell's and along various through various sleepy little villages crossing the wide, sweeping bridge over the tweed at Kelso, then over a smaller bridge at Coldstream and into Northumberland, and then down to Lindisfarne. Very special memories. Just a few weeks into my time there, I learned that the Celtic rock band Iona was to play in the Priory Ruins one Saturday afternoon. So off I went. It was a lovely summer day in July, And a memorable concert. Well, last week, browsing on the internet, would you believe it? I came across a film of that actual concert on Holy Island on YouTube. It was quite poignant watching the film, seeing the band playing, knowing that the 40-year-old me was sitting somewhere in that crowd. Although I didn't spot myself. Probably just as well. I don't think I've aged wonderfully. Well, time has certainly passed. Lindisfarne has always remained a special place and it's been good to share that with so many folk here in my present parish on our various pilgrimages to Lindisfarne. In these talks we've been revisiting some of the places we might remember from our walks around the island and using these as a way of focusing on biblical themes. Today, in imagination, we are standing in front of the ruins of the Priory. It must have been very impressive in its day until the dissolution of the abbeys under Henry VIII, turned the Priory quarry into a quarry for local building. And Sir Walter Scott, I have to say, got it all wrong. In his poem, Marmion, he gives us this very dramatic image of it being ruined after the Vikings raided. But of course the Vikings were a while before this. Sorry Sir Walter, you should have done your homework. You know something, the story of the priory to me is less inspiring than the stories of the ancient saints who left little trace of their times. The building of the priory in 1093 was as an annex to Durham Cathedral which was being built at the same time and there would always only be a very small Christian community here to look after it. It would be nothing like the community of Aden's Day which would been a beacon for all the lands of the north. By the time the priory was built The church had become wealthy and powerful and I may be right right or wrong here but for me the Priory is the symbol of a well-oiled organisation maintaining itself rather than the symbol of a missionary community reaching out to the lost, the broken, the needy. I think there are lessons for us here. The early church on the island established by Aidan was the real powerhouse. It was a real powerhouse of prayer and mission as well as of education, craftsmanship, healing and counsel. At this time, we are in a special season of prayer under the campaign, Thy Kingdom Come. The ancient Celtic church should inspire us as they were a boiler house of prayer and they changed the world of their time. And the energy, the fuel, the power was from that prayer. They were strong in prayer and mission and resisted the lure of power and of over-organisation. The ancient church of Aden wasn't strong in organisation at all. These ancient followers of Jesus just seemed to wander all over the place, hearts on fire with the love of Christ. And soon there were other communities at Melrose, at St Abbs, at Whitby, to name just a few. Here was a church that walked with the ordinary folk of the land, a church that changed lives, that sat light to power and wealth. Last week we reflected on Aidan's model of mission as walking with people. We heard how he was entitled, as a bishop he was entitled to ride on a horse, but refused that, always wanted to walk staff in hand so he would meet people eye to eye and not be talking down to them from on high. In a time of anxiety and fear, Aidan's church shone brightly with the light of Christ, the light that shines in the dark, the light that the darkness has never been able to snuff out. There is an irony here, isn't there? The church that was an impressive building, that's still impressive as a ruin, actually didn't do all that much in terms of changing the world. Aidan's church has left nothing, although some say that perhaps the foundations of his original church are under the present parish church. But their buildings would have been simple, wooden structures, provisional. What the earlier church left behind was transformed lives and communities, not monuments. In the so-called Dark Ages, the church of Aden was like a great bonfire lighting up a long and scary winter's night. Folk were drawn by the light of that fire to gather round it to hear the story of Christ that soon lit the same fire deep within their own hearts. These days of lockdown have been difficult and from the phone conversations I'm having, people are getting weary, finding things harder as the days pass often asking how long it will be until we get back to our church buildings. All I can say is I really don't know and I don't want us to be back until we can be really safe. Yet for all the difficulties of the time and perhaps because of the difficulties of the time, something wonderful is actually happening. There is a kind of spiritual renewal happening. I suspect that many folk are making this discovery in these days, that God and faith have as much to do with a kitchen table and living room as they have with the communion table and court building and probably more so. The fire, which is Christ, still burns brightly. Many people in these days are gathering out of the dark to sit at that great fire of hope. And can I say this? No one is alone at that great bonfire. We're all there together. When you open your Bible or give time to prayer at your own fireside, you're not doing so on your own. You're part of a great company that spans heaven and earth. As the lockdown continues, as time passes, it may be that you are finding it difficult yourself. May you know that God is with you there in your own home as you listen to this, as much as in any church sanctuary. May you make the discovery that the Bible is just as at home and actually more at home, lying open by your fireside chair than it is sitting on a carved lectern in a Kirk building somewhere. We're realising, I think, at least many of us are, that faith is bigger, much bigger than church buildings. Some of us are even wondering if before the lockdown we were just too focused on the church as a building. Listening in to a webinar from the Church of Scotland Assembly trustees today, they were making that point, that we were focused too much on the church's building, almost as if God lived within the Kirk as if the gospel was somehow confined within the four walls. Maybe, just maybe, as we are meeting Sunday Sunday by Sunday in the current, God has actually been outside the walls yelling at us, hello you lot in there, I'm actually out here. Maybe that's a great lesson that God is teaching us in these days. Hello you lot in there, I'm actually out here. And because we're closed out of the building as it were, Locked out of the building, we're discovering, actually, it's not in the building that God is most at work, but out there in the community, out there in the parish. When I worked with the Reverend Douglas Alexander in Bishopton Parish Church almost 30 years ago, Douglas would give me a row if I referred to the building as the church. What's your language, he would say. That's not the church. It's a church building. It's a place where the people meet, where the church meets. Church is the people. And he told me a lovely wee story when he and some student pals were working on the rebuilding of the refectory buildings at Iona Abbey. He and another student friend got off the board. And they were getting mischievous and they were picking the most awkward boulders to send up the ladder to the stonemason high above them. And Douglas always remembered, no matter how awkward or misshapen the stone that they sent up, somehow it never came back down. Every stone found a place in the building. And Douglas said, aye, that's a parable for you. The church, as Peter reminds us in that epistle, is a temple of living stones. There is a place for everyone. Let no one suggest that they're so awkward or misshapen, whatever sense they mean, that there's not a place for them in the church. No one can say that no one can say that kirk's not for the likes of me there is a place for you and when i say the kirk i'm really talking about the community of faith not anybody the community of faith there is a place for you they tell us in these days many folk are listening in to podcasts or watching online stream services who would never in the past have gone to church well if that's your case may you know you're as much part of our community of faith and fellowship, as if you were coming to the building, and we hope you'll make contact. All are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome in the living temple, in the temple of living stones, which is the church. As followers of Jesus, we are all living stones. And so, to close, is it possible that when the lockdown ends, we will find ourselves in a renewed church? A missionary church that looks more like that of Aden than the institutional model of the priory. Perhaps we've been held back by that priory model of maintenance for too long. It's time to think about mission. Here's a lovely folk setting of a well-known hymn. Prayers for others. Living Lord, Lord of the journey, in these days we are thankful for the many blessings that we have. So many days of lovely weather, as spring slips down towards summer, for the pleasance of garden, woodland or park, for the beauty that surrounds us, for the glory of your creation. We thank you for friends and families. In these days we realise just how precious are our friendships, our relatives, our conversations. For a phone call, a blather over the garden wall or through an open window. For letters and emails. For help with shopping. For gifts of baking and homemade produce. We thank you for all who are putting their lives on the line at this time. NHS workers, care home workers, volunteers, paid and unpaid carers. We thank you for farmers, for food producers, for delivery services, for those who make life easier for us at this time. And at a time when we are so glad for deliveries from the fish van or a fish supper delivered to the door, we remember those who go down to the sea in ships and the impact of the coronavirus on the fishing community at this time. We thank you for good neighbours, for caring communities, for strong networks of help and support. We thank you. We pray for all of them. And we pray especially for those who've lost loved ones to the virus and pray for all who've known bereavement in recent days. At this time, when it's been impossible to mark a loved one's passing with a proper gathering, may there be a blessing. On all who are in the place of sorrow. We remember all who are ill at this time, remembering relatives who are unable to visit the hospital or the nursing home. And we want to pray especially for those fighting the virus seeking to produce an effective vaccine. We pray for all our residential care homes at this time, remembering especially those in our area, staff, residents, We pray for all families struggling to cope with the crisis, living in a small flat or in an urban wasteland with no gardens or parks. We pray for all who are worried about the financial fallout of the crisis and their families. We pray for our schools, for teachers seeking to think imaginatively and creatively as they work online with their pupils. But we remember pupils where poverty or family issues make that kind of home learning very difficult. We remember those concerned about the future of their business. We pray for our governments in Holyrood and Westminster. Guide them, strengthen them, grant them your wisdom. And we pray for ourselves as your church. Keep us strong in faith, hope and love in the strong name of Christ. Let's quieten our hearts now as we reflect a little bit. On God's presence to us in Christ in this anxious time, in the stillness and the silence. Let's remember we are not alone. Sorry about that our final hymn, Christ is Made the Sure Foundation. If you're following your hymn book, it's number 200. And this is sung by the choir of King's College in Cambridge. And now, wherever you are, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give to you his peace. Amen.